Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Christo and Jean-Claude here in London this evening. I was asked to introduce by saying a few words for five minutes. Um, I last met Christo and Jean-Claude in Berlin on the last day of the uh, Reichstag before it was due to be unwrapped. And I'd traveled in 48 hours uh, from Los Angeles, stopping briefly in New York and London, and arrived absolutely exhausted in the nick of time. And like the other five million who made the pilgrimage, um, all I can say is that it was an unbelievable experience and worth every mile that I traveled. It was quite an extraordinary event and impossible to convey in words because it existed at so many levels. First of all, I'd never seen a city in a state of ecstasy, of celebration, um, of jubilation. The mood was, um, was unbelievable. Uh, it was tangible. Uh, people were camping around. There was a holiday atmosphere. There was no graffiti. There was no hooliganism, no violence. Um, the, the atmosphere was impossible to convey in words. And then at another level, it was just stunningly breathtakingly beautiful to, to comprehend. Um, and I was very privileged to be taken around inside the, the building um, and to be shown how that building had been transformed, not just wrapped. There's far more to it than that, as I'm sure you'll hear this evening. But the extraordinary passion and enthusiasm that fired that creative event um, behind the scenes. And that, again, was, uh, for me, a great privilege. And to see the way that two individuals are so totally inseparable, inseparable in all kinds of ways. I know that they've been together for 37 years, but creatively um, inseparable. And a great joy to, to behold um, behind the scenes. And I think that perhaps... That's what this evening is about, a glimpse behind the scenes. I'm, I suppose that for me, having had the, uh, the glimpses that I've, I've had into that process, I guess the event itself is rather like the, the tip of an iceberg and the extraordinary amount of, um, of effort and research and dedication, the long hours, the years. I mean, um, as we walked around, they mused that that project started 24 years ago. And um, in a storm of criticism, which evaporated overnight as this new object appeared in the city. And the only complaint that I heard was that, why does it have to be unwrapped? Why can't it stay? Why can't they let it stay for another two weeks or more? So. It's a great pleasure to step down and to, uh, to hear some of those insights.
my English is not very good, Jean-Claude's English is much better. Uh, the, tonight we do very fast. I would talk about <laughs> 50 minutes. We talk a little bit about, quite about the Reichstag. Usually we don't like to talk about project we've already realized, but it's part of the very recent story. We talk also about other three works in progress. Uh, some we worked for quite a long time. Some more recently we like to go ahead during the future. And, and then these 50 minutes after that, we love to answer many questions. Please feel comfortable and relaxed to ask us questions. And we try to answer questions. Now we can go ahead with the color slides and put the, all the lights down. I will appreciate it. Uh, <coughs> Uh, this is the uh, color slides of original work. The original work is much smaller, and you see it's the photo collage montage. And I live in Paris, and that time it's written in French. That have a text, that original work. That is proposal for the RAP public building. Uh, idea was to wrap real public building, not private home, not uh, corporate headquarter, but building belong to the nation. The only buildings belong to the nation is the parliament or the prisons. This is written on the bottom. <laughs> a 1971, 72, that is 1961, was before. <laughs> a 1971, 72, 10 years later, we were finishing project in the western slope of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado called Valley Curtain, large curtain, half a kilometer across, and 160 meter high in the center. And during that time, we received postcard from American friend living in Berlin, Michael Kellen of the Reichstag. This is the Reichstag in the early 70s. Uh, some of the pictures I will refer because there's some picture before 89, before the wall fell down. And that picture, the Reichstag, is in the middle. The bottom part is the British military sector. The upper part is the Soviet military sector, and you can see barely the wall on the back of the Reichstag and the Brandenburg Gate on the right side of the Reichstag here. This is how the Berlin was divided until 1989. Uh, the Allied forces, the British, Americans, the French, and the Soviet divided Berlin in a very meticulous way. Uh, the jurisdiction, jurisdiction and ownerships of the every city and land was the sites of New York telephone book. And, uh, Demarcation of the East and West Berlin is the orange line, who on the left side is the West Berlin or British military sector, and the right side is the Soviet military sector, East Berlin. You see very well that the Soviet sector passing 39 meters through the East facade, East portal of the Reichstag. That was very important. The Soviet was making point that they have jurisdiction of the building that control the use of the building for any possible future uses for reunification of Germany, very ironically. And of course, they really control, and the building never been used for political gathering, only for the uh, economical scientific meetings, but not political meetings in the Reichstag until 1989. This is early study collage for the Reichstag, uh, very much like architect. Uh, myself, I draw uh, the original works, and is the using photography background. Actually, the building's area is the real cloth fabric and twine and it's drawn with pencil. And uh, it's a smaller work. It's uh, 28 inches by 22 inches. This work now is in private collection in Germany. This is from the mid-77. Uh, this is how the building was looking 
when it was finished, designed by architect Valot, a very pompous Victorian structure, large building, founded by Bismarck. Uh, Bismarck never liked it, even the Kaiser, but of course the building was focal point for the Germans. Immediately after the finished the construction in 1894, the many Berliners used the gathering around the building very much. For example, here is the, the historical pictures in front of the west facade of the Reichstag just a few days before the First World War start. Today, of course, the landscaping is quite different. The, the monument of Bismarck is not anymore in the front of the Reichstag. Of course, also the tower of the Reichstag is shorter, smaller, not so high, and the missing dome. That dome was demolished after 1945. But the building was very important. This is the last session in the Reichstag before Hitler came to power. This is the, during the Weimar Republic. In 1933, Hitler came to power. Uh, Nazi government never liked the Reichstag. A few weeks later, there was the famous fire. The Hitler used the fire of the Reichstag to start to prosecute progressive elements in Germany. Ironically, the Nazi parliament never met in the Reichstag. That is the very confusing that many people think the Reichstag was the Nazi parliament. No, the Nazi parliament was meeting across the Reichstag in the opera house, you know, <laughs> very much in the Hitler tradition. He left the operas and he met his parliament in the opera house. The Reichstag, but of course, was symbol of great unified Germany. The end of the war, the Battle of Berlin was ferocious. Marshal Zhukov, the commander of the Soviet forces, lost near 2,000 soldiers in the taking of the Reichstag. You know, the battle was the step by step, floor by floor. Nazi commando was fighting the Reichstag. There was no military target, but emotionally it was very important. And finally, the Soviet put the Soviet flag on the top of the Reichstag, that is the east portal of the Reichstag. And actually, uh, Norman, Mr. Norman, Sir Norman Foster, his office in the second floor of that building in the shadow. <laughs> uh, the building was in total ruin, uh, like that, just after the end of the last day of the war. Full war materials in the front of the building, boot, boot holes, and all the variety of damaging. You see very well, but of course the building was inspiration for the Germans. The mayor Reuter, the first democratic elected mayor of Berlin, Reuter, gathering a huge rally in the front of the Reichstag in 1948. Uh, the Berliner protesting in avoidable division of Berlin. The Berlin was divided on those uh, sectors, military sector, and of course, a few years later, the wall was built. This picture is for our friend Wolfgang Voss, who was also project director of the Reister project. He's our exclusive photographer, but Wolfi, being German, photographed the Reister from the famous Vaterland Cafe, the cafe when Marlene Dietrich was singing from East Berlin, looking to the Reister in the mid-70s. You have the wall, you have all that area who was absolutely not possible to go through that. That was all uh, controlled by the folks policy of uh, DDR, and we have the three black hole is the entrance to the famous Hitler bunker. This is how the Reichstag was restored in the late uh, 60 by drawings of architect Baumgarten. Basically, in the original sites is the large, massive building, 
This is the west facade of the Reichstag, 137 meters. He did, uh, they restored almost everything except the height of the tower and the dome, the cupola. Uh, you see, it's very uh, uh, full of fragments, details, and ornament. Uh, the height of the tower is 42 meters, and the north and east portal, if we're looking that side here, they are 97 meters. In 1974, we finished the project, the Roman Wall, the Rap Roman Wall, is the 2,000 years old Mark Aurelius Wall and end of Via Veneta and Villa Borghese. And of course, in 1976, we were finishing the running fence, the project in Northern California and Sonoma and Marin County is the uh, 18 feet tall, 24 and a half miles fence, 40 near 30, 40 kilometer fence running to the Sonoma County, and finally, western extremity of the fence disappear in beautiful Pacific Ocean and Bodega Bay in Marin County. During that time, we start intensively working in the Reistec project permits. Now, you can see myself here, quite young, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, explaining the project to the president of the parliament, and that time, um, Anne-Marie Renge, member of Social, Social Democratic Party. Mrs. Renge, a big supporter of the project, and our hope to wrap the rice tech was very great, hoping that we can realize it in a few weeks or a year later. Unfortunately, the Social Democrats lost the election a few weeks later, and we lost the chances to wrap the rice tech. There was the new president of the parliament, president of the Bundestag, Dr. Karl Karstens, here, you see, uh, I explained the project to Dr. Karstens, member of Conservative Party. <laughs> now, uh, uh, probably you're familiar very much like in, in England, the, uh, the Social Democrats, the, uh, the uh, Labour, Labour Party here, and of course the Conservative Party is called the Christian Democratic Union. In Germany, Dr. Karstens, member of CDU, the Conservative Party, listen my explanation. Dr. Karstens contemplating for five months about the wrapping of the rice stack, and I need it. after five months, Dr. Carsten say no. <laughs> Fa, later, when Dr. Carsten became president of Germany in the 80s, he said that he supported the project, but he was not anymore responsible. That was very easy. Uh, we were aware that the project needed much broader support than only the member of the parliament in Bonn. Uh, especially the Allied forces was very important in sitting in Berlin was essential to get their uh, uh, saying on the project, or their uh, um, opinion on the project. In Dahlem, in the uh, uh, headquarters of the Americans, we are here presenting the project to the... No, meanwhile, meanwhile, we try to move to the big maze in the bond. And uh, one person who helped the project to stay alive, and unfortunately is not, was alive when the project happened, is former Chancellor Willy Brandt. Actually, Mr. Brandt was telling us that we should make the project support but two major fractions in the parliament. There is no way to get the permission of the project if the two party, bipartisan support of the project. And he is in the office of Willy Brandt, he gave us advice that we should work hard to bring some supporters from Conservative Party. And 
For example, here, myself talking to the Mr. Kurt Bidenkov. Now, Mr. Bidenkov was a very distinguished member of Conservative Party, the party of Mr. Call today. Uh, and that time, in 1977, and Mr. Bidenkov helped us tremendously. And today, Mr. Bidenkov is the Prime Minister of very influential former East German state, Saxony. And Mr. Bidenkov supported us tremendously and finally getting the permission of the Reichstag in 1994. But of course, the, the Allied forces will have the influence and the headquarters in Dahlem. I'm presenting the project to the British Minister Lambert on the left side the French minister Landy in the middle, and American George. Uh, Americans sitting in Berlin have the greatest influence. They also have a quite uh, important uh, institute, Aspen Institute of Humanistic Study. Uh, is the cultural organization in Aspen, Colorado, but also they have a uh, house and important um, gathering place in Berlin. And the Aspen Institute organized several roundtable discussions about the Reichstag project. Unfortunately, here you see myself arguing with the director of the Aspen Institute, Chepperstone. <laughs> I, I, uh, I failed to convince Chepperstone to voice his, his support for the Reichstag project. Outside of the politician, we really uh, try to move more and more on different area in the support in the Reichstag project. This all in 77, 78. In 1978, we did a project called RAP Walkway in Kansas City, Missouri, when we cover uh, two and a half miles, a walkway with this saffron color fabric in the middle of the city. It's a very nice Jacob Luz Park, and thousands of people crossing to this walkway, going to the work. But of course, we was go flying to Berlin, to Bonn, to Germany, and we feel that we need to spread the words about the Reichstag outside of Bonn and Berlin. In a, a home of very good support of ours is the publisher and owner of very influential weekly newspaper, Die Zeit, Mr. Butzerius. Mr. Butzerius put together with us curatorium for the Reichstag project when we like to have leading citizens from many different walks of life supporting the project, industrialists, businessmen, scientists, art historians, to help us to move the project through the German uh, public opinion. We work hard and hard, but by 1981, we have the second blow of refusal for the Reichstag project by the Bundestag president number three, Mr. Stuckland. <laughs> Mr. Stuckland, member of Conservative Party, say the second no for the Reichstag project. In 1983, we worked between 80 and 83, we finished the project Surrounded Island in Southern Florida and Biscayne Bay, where we surrounded 11 islands with six and a half million square feet of floating pink fabric just outside of the city of Miami, Miami Beach, about two million people living around, and of course the project can be seen from the causeway, from the high-rising building, from the air, but we're still working on the Reichstag project. In the home of uh, our project historian Michael Kellen, here American uh, engineers Ted Dorothy, Abrahamian, friend collector Jürgen Zavadi, and architect Jean-Claude and myself, we work how to wrap the Reichstag. You know, the Reichstag is massive structure, involves huge amount of 
fabric, and we tried to do it very fast. And already in the early 80s, we was contemplating to use the roof of the building, became like working platform. And from the top of the building, we unfold the fabric. And a very fast operation, the wrapping can be done. Curiously enough, is exactly in that way we did it, the wrapping of the rice tech almost uh, over 10 years later in Berlin. During that time, we were also working another project in Paris. You know, Jean-Claude is French. Myself and Jean-Claude, we lived for uh, near six years in Paris between light, late 50 and early 60. And it was very exciting to do a project in Paris. The, that was the, involving the oldest bridge in Paris, the Pont Neuf. The project of the Paris was advancing. The vicinity of the Paris was very important for Berlin. Here, for example, we're talking to the Senator Volker Hassemer, a very influential senator in Berlin, on the left side. Myself, Jean Cote, Mr. Schneider's um, Hassemer assistant, Michael Kellen, to bring many German politicians and influential people to Paris to see the rice, to wrap Pont Neuf. And September of 1985, the Pont Neuf was wrapped with 45,000 square meters of this champagne color fabric, and near 3 million people walk over the bridge crossing the Seine, and of course, member of German, member of the Bundestag and politicians come to see the project, and we put all our effort after the wrapping of the Pont Neuf to move the Reichstag proje project ahead. For example, in the late December 1985, the former president of Germany, Walter Schell, organized gathering in Berlin here. Myself, Aaron Oetke, is collector industry, Jean-Claude and Walter Schell, we try to uh, consolidate all the push and effort for the Reichstag project. Even the Burgemeister, the mayor of Berlin visiting us, and our home in Manhattan, in New York City, Mr. Dipkin. And I say to Mr. Dipkin that I cannot wait anymore. <laughs> uh, we need to go uh, to have decision because we have other projects in our mind. And of course, a few weeks later, in May 1987, the Bundestag president or president of the parliament, Philip Jenninger, say no. <laughs> that was the third no. And this is why we put all our energy of the realization of the Umbrellas project for Japan and United States. It's a project involving thousands of blue umbrellas in Japan, a thousand of yellow umbrellas in California. This is 1987. What happened a few, one and a half a year later, two years later, is that nobody believed in the lifetime they would witness. That suddenly, in a matter of a few days, and actually a few hours, the magnitude, magnitude of um, movement in Germany was so enormous that on November 9, the wall collapsed. And of course, a few months later, the Germany was unified in the front of the Rastak. This is a celebration of Germany, and finally, Jean-Claude, myself, and our friends, we can go to the East Berlin. This is the uh, north facade and the east facade of the Reichstag with some remainings of the wall in the foreground and the part of River Spree running in the bottom there. This is area we never was possible to see. You know, the, uh, the folk police arrested Wolfried, our photographer, once because he tried to take pictures from there in the 70s. And of course, that is the, also the entrance of the Reichstag uh, for parliamentarian. Um, here's many architects, but you know, this is how the building was built. This is the imperial entrance when the Kaiser was 
coming here. This is why the portal have this Roman type of Arc de Triomphe, when the west facade is democratic entrance, they have Greek uh, uh, um, fronton. We even go uh, to the top of the Brandenburg Gate and see the Reichstag from that area. And of course, this is the classical view of the Reichstag from the west facade. Now, this is the Reichstag we like to wrap. And this is why it was so critical to do the wrapping before the major undertaking will be on the Reichstag and around the Reichstag in the next five, six years. You know, the, the German government in Bonn or the German nation bought to spend $14 billion, move the capital from Bonn to Berlin. Of course, they will restore and they transform the Reichstag to be parliamentary house and Sir Norman Foster designed entire feature and entire transformation of the Reichstag, but they will build around 30 city blocks around the Reichstag to house the chancellery, the ministry, the different governmental agency, and the way the building will be buried with other buildings by the year 2000 or 2001. This is why it was very important that the wrapping happened before this major construction site starts. Uh, that is the, the, our office, and the building belonged to the, uh, in the 19th century to the German engineers. Our first floor, the street floor, is our office, and the second floor is Sir Norman Foster office <laughs> uh, 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 during the making of the Reichstag. And uh, one important thing we'll always try to explain to the public, and of course to many journalists, we always fail to explain, uh, and we try to all the time repeat it and repeat it again. All our projects, they all pay with our own money. There are no money from industry, there are no money from corporation or donation. This is all our money, it's our decision, what we do and how to do it and where we should do it. And all these projects, they are not commissioned, it's our inspiration. We decided this project, we do not accept commission. We live for 31 years and over 150 years old building in low, low Manhattan, near Wall Street. And this is how section of my studio look. <laughs> and the fifth floor, no elevator. You know, I have no time to, uh, to refurbish my studio. Uh, working in the studio, all the original works, they're done by my own hand. Ask how many contemporary artists can say that. There are no one single drawings which is not done by my own hand. I have no assistance. And the small table there, I work the small collages and drawings. What many collages is really collages, is the glue material. This is a French word. This is typical collage of uh, at 26 inches by, 70, uh, by 31 inches. Uh, it's in two parts. It's from 1987. What many collage that the area of the building is real fabric and twine and drawn with pencil. The upper part is the section of uh, Berlin and the area of Reichstag. For example, that particular collage is in a private collection in Tokyo. This is another collage in private collection in Hamburg. And this is another collage in private collection in Sweden. Actually, our friend Bob Lille is sitting here, the collector. <laughs> and the large, uh, uh, there's a small, using also the photography of Wolfgang Wolf, our friend, and I draw this photography uh, with pencil and, and wax pencil and enamel, often these small sketches, they 
a prototype for larger collages and drawings. Uh, the larger drawings I do directly in the wall, uh, putting the paper and the wooden board. Of course, this is the uh, 65 inches drawings uh, of the Reichstag and private collection in Berlin, and other uh, 65 inches drawings in private collection in Tokyo, another uh, 65 inches of the private collection in New York, and of course, this is another larger drawings. The larger drawings, eight foot drawings, two meter 44, and I private collection in Hong Kong. Now, uh, on my study on the fifth floor on oil elevator, I draw the original works. I bring them down to our uh, living room, our reception room, who is in the second American floor, or the first European floor, when Jean-Claude and myself, we sell these original works to collectors, dealers, and museums from around the world. Now, we sell this anything we don't know. Each of these projects, like the Reichstag, or running fence, the umbrellas, or surrounded island, I do many of these drawings that people come buying these original works. The money comes to us, and with that money, we can do everything we like to do. I can buy diamonds for Jean-Claude. I can have a Rolls-Royce, big mansion here, or summer house in south of France, or castle in Spain. Instead of that, in 1991, we spent $26 million to realize the Umbrellas project, involving installation of 1,340 blue umbrellas in Japan and 1,760 yellow umbrellas in Southern California. Each umbrella is 20 feet high and 29 feet diameter, 64 square meters umbrellas, the area in Japan is 19 kilometers and two and a half kilometers wide. The area in California is 29 kilometers and two and a half kilometers wide. And during this uh, exhibition time in October of 1991, uh, many journalists from all over the world was there. And of course, there was the German journalist asking us, what about the Reichstag? Jean-Claude and myself very involved with the Umbrellas project we're saying, forget about the Reichstag. If the Germans like us to rob the Reichstag, they should write letter to us. <laughs> In December 1991, two months later, after realization of the Umbrellas project, Jean-Claude and myself received letter from the president of the German parliament, Mrs. Rita Susmut, uh, Mrs. Susmut uh, writes in that letter that she is very much interested in the Reichstag project and she likes to very much discuss the chances of the wrapping of the Reichstag and possibility finally to get the permission. In February of 1992, we have a three hours working lunch with Mrs. Susmut and her residence in Bonn, the lady with the glasses. Mrs. Susmut is a member of the Conservative Party, like the party of Helmut Kohl. And uh, she's sitting on the left side with Jean-Claude. Our team is on the right side. And of course, Mrs. Susmut came to that working lunch with the representative, leading representative, deputy of the opposition party, of Social Democratic Party, Mr. Peter Konrati. Mr. Konrati, professional architect, he's the 16 years deputy in the parliament, of course, was a big supporter of the Reichstag project. We have a large... Uh, scale model built, and we use that scale model widely uh, to work with the help of Mrs. Susmut through the very intricate uh, 180 days 
very active work in Bonn and through Germany. What we are doing, we need to see many German deputies and see many places in Germany explaining the project. For example, here, we are explaining the project to two members of the Christian Democratic Union, Herbert Scharabroin and Klaus-Peter Kroz. They became big supporters of the project and they helped us tremendously to bring other members of Conservative Party come for the project. Here, for example, we failed to convince another member of Conservative Party, Mr. Hans Klein, who is the Vice President of the Parliament. Mr. Klein was against the project when we came to his office, and he's still against the project. We left the office, and finally he voted against the project. Here, another deputy of the Liberal Party, Mr. Wolfgram, Thorsten Wolfgram, he was uh, also senior deputy, helped us tremendously to bring other deputies from FDP, Liberal Party, supporting the project. The time was running fast, you know, there was very sh no time to lose. Even that we don't have the permission, we got to the testing and deciding what type of cloth fabric we use for the RISTEC project. Here in the office of Mrs. Susmut, the president of the parliament, we're showing the sample of the fabric and photograph of the test we used, choosing that very thick fabric for the RISTEC project. By the end of 1993, early 1994, it was obviously that the decision of the RISTEC project will happen under full debate and vote in the German parliament, roll call vote. On February 25, at 9 o'clock in the morning, and Friday, the vote was start. In the parliament of Germany, the Bundestag, the opening speech for the project was delivered by the member of Social Democratic Party, Mr. Konrati, who supported the project. You see ourselves very nervously sitting in the balcony Listening to the debate, uh, we have the member of the Liberal Party, Mr. Man uh, Manfred Richter, for the project, member of the Green, the Environmental Party for the project, member of the former PDS, Mr. Keller, a communist, a former Communist Party, Socialist Party for the project. You see the Chancellor call here, conferring with the majority leader, majority speaker of the fraction, Mr. Schäuble, uh, here you have Mr. Cole sitting in his um, ministry place. No, coming from America, I was thinking the vote will be a matter of a few uh, seconds, and a few seconds we know what is the result. We discovered that in the parliament of Germany, the vote is very traditional matter. Each deputy have the type of credit card chips. The blue color is yes, the red color is no, and the white color is abstention. Mr. Cole have the red color card through the 70 minutes debate showing to all the deputies how he decided to vote. The majority speech uh, against the project was deliver, delivered by the heir apparent of Mr. Cole, Dr. Wolfgang Schäuble. Uh, the speech against the project by the Social Democratic Party by Mr. Epke and finally for the project by the very distinguished deputy Mr. Duve from Hamburg and the Co uh, the, the counting of the vote is here. You see the, all the deputies go, put their little chips in the box, and after 20 minutes counting, the result was the 292 for the project, 223 against the wrapping of the rice stack, and nine abstention. Now we go fast to the next uh, uh, try. I, I give you, I, I show you a little bit. Yeah, I try to. 
Uh, I'll show a little bit how the rice wrapping of the rice was done, but you know, really, uh, I don't like to bother with that. You see it very well. This is the action of our 90 rock climbers in furling 100,000 square meters, 1 million square feet of the very heavy fabric. Eight, 60 tons of fabric was unfurled from the top, coming down. You see, each of the panels was sewn. The rock climbers moving the fabric down more and more there. Very intricate, 200 tons of steel uh, designed specially to alterate and create new form for the Reistek uh, building. The fabric coming down, it will be somewhere there. Finally, you see the, it's coming down, and this is the, the way how the forms was prepared to receive the fabric. And after that, we installed 16, 15 and a half kilometers of ropes. These ropes was really shaping the building and the way we like to be done. The fabric is tw uh, twice more than the surface of the building. There are enormous amount of folds and pleats designed to shape and the way we like to be done. And to, say, to see how the fabric is transparent, this is the view from inside. See how much light is coming to that two and a half millimeter thick fabric. There to the special buttonhole, you have the holding lines uh, shaping the fabric, retaining the fabric against the building, and finally creating this very large sculptural forms. The, the ropes was uh, cut, pre-cut, lifted up, and secured together. And you see that rock climbers pointed together, putting together this very intricate connection. And finally, the Reichstag was wrapped. <laughs> and of course, this is the, the west facade of the Reichstag, close-up of the west facade of the Reichstag. You see the, the and of course, the, the, the traditional flag and the front. This is the area when uh, involved about a quarter of a million people filling the, that open visit. This is the view from the tall building of the Reichstag in the early morning. You know, that is the light coming from the north and east facade of the Reichstag. Now, you should understand that because the fabric is twice more than the surface of the building, that the Reichstag was like a living object. This is the all the structure was in constantly in full motion. You know, they're not static. Is designed to shape and to move differently with all the different moments of the day and in the light. The building was, uh, after the wrapping, the building was monitored uh, around the clock by 1,200 workers, meaning that there was the 150 young people, six hour shift, with a special uh, uniform type of t shirts giving information to the public, uh, printed material, and of course we cut over one million small samples of the fabric. We're giving free samples to the visitors coming to the Reistag project. Now this is the uh, pictures who was uh, uh, published. Uh, yeah, I don't know reverse it because that was very funny picture. Yeah, I come to the next picture. Uh, we just want to point out to you that you can see that between the Brandenburg Gate here and the Reichstag here, there are about 200 meters distance. Now show us. This photograph was published in one of your English, London, important newspaper. And the caption said, 
Christo and Jean-Claude wrapped the entire Reichstag with the exception of the Brandenburg Gate. I should give you some idea of the final. This is the, no, the, 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 the fabric we use is, is not silver color. The fabric was um, polypropylene, woven very heavily for the air and water filter. And after that, we put five kilos of aluminum on 100,000 square meters. That aluminum was electronically injected to the pulverized to the fabric. This is why the fabric was changing all the time, that the late afternoon was in gold. This is the view Focus, of the please. Fabric. Okay, fine. No, not okay. Thank you. Yeah, and changing completely all the time. Now, the other three projects in progress, we work for different time of, of our life. For example, since many years, we were involving with the oil barrels. And in late 70s, we started a project for the Mastaba of Abu Dhabi. This is a large structure of near 400,000 oil barrels to be built outside of Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. It's not a, it's not a pyramid, it's a mastaba, meaning that you have a two perpendicular wall, two uh, 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 slanted wall and trunked top. Of course, that geometric shape, which is the Arabic word of that, it can be created by stacking oil barrels horizontally. In the late 70s and early 80s, we spent tremendous time in the southern part of Arabian Gulf on the Sheikhdom of Abu Dhabi, working with Sheikh, Sheikh Al Nahayan Zayed to uh, work on that project, whose structure will be 150 meters high, 300 meters by 225 meters. The vertical wall will be all these thousand oil barrels coming up, give you an idea, will be like an Islamic mosaic. And the slanted wall will be oriented east-west. After working uh, several months, Iran-Iraqi war start, and of course all that area became a very tense situation. After that, the Gulf War, and for the moment that project is in standstill. Another project, naturally living for over 30 years in Manhattan, was very normal that we would like to do project in New York City. In 1980, about 15 years ago, we proposed project for Central Park called The Gates. The Gates is the project involving about 26 miles walkway in Central Park. All the red line is the walkway in Central Park. And we frame this walkway with gates between 11 to 15,000 gates. Now, you understand the gates will really will be activated the most or not used space in Central Park between your feet and the first branches of the tree. The gates will be always 15 feet high, but they will vary with the width of the walkway. They sometimes will be 7 feet, sometimes even 20 feet. From the horizontal part of the gates hanging free fabric panel, and zero wind, it can touch the fabric, but when the wind is blowing, the fabric can touch the next gate, became like a floating roof above your head. In 1980 and 81, we intensively tried to negotiate the project with the Central Park. This is how the park looking in the autumn, and this is the, the time we like to do the project. You know, we, I love the 
foliage in Center Park in the Dome, this rusted color, this is typical walkway system running in the middle here in between the East, Center Park East and Center Park West. And you have the sketch, for example, this is another collage showing that situation in the southern corner of Central Park. In 1981, we built prototypes in the West to give you an idea how the gates we'd like to build here with our engineers. We simulate walkway system, the fabric can go underneath and you go through the, this move, movement. And of course, if the gates are very wide, like for example here, the, the, the fabric is much wider section, and of course have this enormous, marvelous transparency. Of course, in the Central Park, these thousands of thousands of gates we create almost very rich painterly situation of the fabric, creating some kind of geometry, very precise corridor, walking through the steel structure, and of course above you, you have this very sensual disorder in all directions. After two years working intensively with the Koch administration, that the mayor before the mayor of today, Mr. Koch and his park department, Gordon Davis Park Commission, uh, park department and Gordon Davis wrote 235 page book to say no. <laughs> Another project we like to do, that is the most advanced project, is the project we start just after the umbrellas go over the river. This is the early sketch for that project very small sketch involving a river. Basically, very simple project, suspended fabric panel of a river. You can see the project from above, and when you come down to the river, you can see the project from underneath. These little two sketches belong to the National Gallery in Washington. And of course, we try to find the river when it's born. You know, like we have the white water and tranquil water when the snow is melting, when all the brooks come together. This is why in 1992, in 1993, in 1994, we drive with our collaborators near 15,000 miles in the Rockies Mountains. Here in the state of Colorado, all the yellow line, you see this is the river we explore, and we have two marvelous possible locations in the Rocky Mountains. In Colorado, one is called Arkansas River, in the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains. You see that? very lively, open, not too much vegetation. You have this uh, white water, and it's one of the most rafted river in the United States. You know, the rafters come, and you have these high banks. You have a road, and the railroad tracks another side. In Idaho, north of Colorado, another state in the Rocky Mountains, we have a Hyatt River, the yellow line here near Boise, uh, of course, a Pat River, and of course, uh, Salmon River, in also in Idaho. In Wyoming, we have the Wind River. The Wyoming is the, the yellow line. That is all the state and the Rocky Mountains. We have the Wind River. Again, we're looking for river who have a high banks and not too much vegetation. Often when when it's river born, there's so many trees, there's so much vegetation that you cannot see the river. The river should be also available, accessible for rafting and canoeing. You have the, the train, the western Rio Grande Denver, and the road on the other side, and the very lively, active water underneath. Through all this year, that is before the making of the rice stack, like with the rice stack, I do drawings and study. This is the little 14 by 11 inches sketch for the over the river. Actually, you see myself there. Uh, 
for the scale relation, <laughs> I pause to our friend photographer to take the pictures. And of course, Jean-Claude, myself, we sell this type of original works. For example, these two, this collage for Over the River is in private collection in London for Pirate River. And this is another little study for the Arkansas River. And this is a 1 meter 65 drawing for Arkansas River on the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountains. And this is seen from under. Thank you very much. <laughs> ask us questions, except um, one person here is not permitted to ask any questions, and that's Mademoiselle Norinder, because she worked with us in Berlin. She knows everything. <laughs> Stand up. She's one of our workers in Berlin. <laughs> the, the, the lady. Yes, so, madam. Excuse me. Ah, you think my project look awful? Uh, no, 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 the lady is asking, what do you mean, madame? The building is awful no, in no, itself, the or? The what, what, the, you mean the river or the Reichstag? The river. Ah, okay, of well, course, madame, you, this I is your opinion. No, 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 no. I, it's excellent what, your question is very good. You see, most people do not like anything we do until after we have done it. And once they see it, they love it. <laughs> but of course, before, we cannot show you what it will look like. We only have the drawings. The completed project looks so much more beautiful than the preparation drawings. But we believe, in our heart, in our head, we believe that everything we create is a work of art, of joy and beauty. And we believe that over the river will be gloriously beautiful. But, madam, <laughs> I, think, I think we do better than God when a lady wears a dress. <laughs> could I, um, could I, excuse me, um, could we have the microphone, please? Yes. And I've, I've been asked so that there can be a yes. record of the, um, of the questions, if, yes. uh, if the questioner oh, could give I their I have name. to reassure you, madame, it is temporary. We remove everything after 14 days. <laughs> okay. Can you tell us what happens to the fabric when you unwrap something? Yes. Uh, it's not only the fabric. The fabric is only part of the materials we use. We use steel, aluminum, chains, ropes, and fabric, and everything is recycled. We have to, for many, many reasons. Our son is an environmentalist. <laughs> no, but also, I should uh, uh, point out that. It's also that is the very valuable materials. You know, they are industrial materials who have the purpose. It's not done for us, for example, 
All that material is done for a variety of industrial, agricultural, or construction purposes. And after 14 days, it's very valuable and go back to these industrial, construction, agricultural uses. Next question. Could you give Hi. your name, please? Could we have the microphone? Denise Rowe. Um, what urges you to do this? What's your inspiration? Why do you, in, you know, desire to cover these buildings, to cover things? Okay. Why we do these things, probably? Yes. This is your question. It's a very good question. You know? Yeah, but, but, but before Christo answers, uh, you don't have the question quite right. We don't always cover things. Uh, the umbrellas, you wouldn't say cover things. Um, you wouldn't say that about the valley curtain or the running fan. We do not only cover things. But Christo is going to tell you why we do those things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the most important thing is like any artist, we try to do works of art to enlarge and question our notion about art, you know. That art we know and is not only us, artists always try to move ahead. Because this project, for example, a project like Surrounded Island, the Pink Islands in Florida, they look very much like a painting, you know, you have the flat surface of the water, the fabric is floating in the water, everything is very flat, it's almost like a shaped canvas, like abstract painting. When the Pont Neuf wrapped the bridge in Paris, it's like classical sculptures. Instead to be chisel and marble, we have the real cloth and fabric, but actually 300 meter sculpture. But the Pont Neuf, for 14 days, was also a bridge. The people was walking over the bridge. The boat was passing under the bridge. The Pont Neuf raft was also architecture. Understand where we're going? We're going directly. We, when we stole 3,100 umbrellas in Japan and California, it was like building small villages and small uh, settlement. Little footnote, the central government in Tokyo, Minister of Construction, take one and a half years to think how they should give us permission to install 1,340 blue umbrellas in Valley in Japan. Finally, they give us permission to install 1,340 houses. They got it. We built houses without the walls. There was a two-story house. <laughs> and the way all our projects have the elements of all these things, of paintings, sculpture, architecture, and urbanism, because uh, we like Parentheses, please, darling. You know how much money we could have done if we had built 1,000 360 houses instead of those beautiful umbrellas. <laughs> it's the dream of an architect. <laughs> we got the permit. We didn't build those houses. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, because we like to move the art and the painting and sculpture on the much larger scale. For example, we know that we think art, and especially the three-dimensional work of art, who is like a, that can here, the space, but the space is the really the most essential part of three-dimensional work of art. And classical or normally academic idea about that space is very clinical. It's exhibited in safe place in the gallery and museum and private home. In that place, space is very controlled, is very proper. We never think about how that space is complicated. Like in the moment we leave our home, 24 hours around the clock, we're funneled to highly controlled space. Somebody designed the sidewalk, somebody designed the streets, even the airway, and that space is designed by politician, urban planner, 
and every particular thing is useful something in that space. It's owned by somebody. You have a jurisdiction, incredible, complete, rela complicated relation. It's exactly we like to do with Jean-Claude that we like to go there to borrow that space for a short time, for two weeks, and benefit of all this intricate, rich relation that space carry. And for example, this is why this project they have elements who they're not used for normal painter sculptures. When to colleague of ours, painter sculptures that we talk that we spend six and a half years to build umbrellas, they think we're crazy. Or 10 years to wrap the pond up is absolutely unthinkable. Or 24 years to realize the rice stack is absolutely impossible. But when we talk to architect, Mr. Foster or urbanist, he spends so much time to build skyscraper or bridge or airport or a highway. And way all these projects have inherent what they are. And that is the, the intricate things. If you really understand where the project, they fill together everything properly. And of course, the, the fabric, the material, is also in that order. We try to also to challenge the immortality of art. Is art is immortal, it's forever. Building things and gold and steel and stone to be remembered forever with some kind of arrogance and naivete that we stay forever, really, probably is greater courage to go away than to stay. All our projects have this very strong self-effacing quality. They up all the time presence of missing that tomorrow they will be gone. Like our life, they will be not anymore there. This is why the cloth, the fabric, is the principal element to translate that urgency and sympathy to be seen because we'll be not anymore. And of course, the cloth also translates that um, essential quality that it can push, it can go in the end, it can tease. For example, uh, when the rice was finished, the millions of people around the rice was all around. They were touching the fabric. They was caressing the fabric. You don't see people caressing the stones, the glass buildings, the steel around London. <laughs> but of course, this is why this material carries this kind of uh, invitational quality, who is also the profound element of the nomadic quality of this project. All these projects, they're very nomadic. And this is why we have many other materials in our project, steel, cable, fabric, poles, but very much like a nomadic tribes in Sahara and Tibet, we <laughs> The, they can build entire settlement overnight. This project they prepare off-site and they install a matter of few days and after they are gone. But in the very end, all this project they are about freedom. Nobody needs this project. They are absolutely irrational, almost irresponsible. The, the world can live without the umbrellas, without valley curtain, without the running fence, or without the price tag. This project exists because the artists like to have them, not because some president of the republic or some chancellor or mayor of the city or corporate executive. The project carries this enormous freedom whose essential part that nobody can buy this project, nobody can own this project, nobody can charge tickets to this project. We have absolute control of any commercial use of this project because this project, they're even not owned by ourselves. This is why this project cannot stay because they're absolute demonstration of poetical freedom. And this is why they should go, to be gone, because the freedom 
is enemy of possession, and possession is equal of permanence. And from that point, this is why we pay our project with our money. This is also a statical decision. All is about aesthetics. Like in America, it's called with no string attached. We pay with our money this project. This is our money, it's our decision. This is even the financing of the project is part of aesthetical decision. This is why all the things we do is all about aesthetics. Now, of course, <laughs> the, the young lady, of course, had no idea she asked such a long question. <laughs> but uh, we must come back to what I told the other lady. What we do, we do because we believe it will be beautiful. That's why we do it. Uh, Paul Middleton, having said all of that, would you accept a commission to do a permanent piece? Would no. that be a challenge for you? No, we are offered commissions all, all the time. We have drawers full of offers. No, we will never do a commission. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of it. Yes. <laughs> My name is Karen Phillips. Um, I would like to say something. I've always had a very ambivalent feeling about your work. Today has changed my attitude to it, which I think is a compliment to how you presented it. But I think you also create an awareness of what an environment can be with or without human interference. And unfortunately, very often, the signs of human interference are anything but beautiful, and they are indestructible very often. So I think having such beautiful interference, one can really applaud the effort. As a German, having heard the sort of laughter whenever you comment about the um, no you've got, may I just say something that the Reichstag probably to my generation of Germans and the politicians you talk to is a very painful subject indeed. It reminds us of a past which probably we don't want to look at. That's why we don't look backwards, we look forwards. And to take this building and to change its vision for a German, and I think that's why you had so many people coming there, I think is probably an enormous achievement. Because most of us, you know, neither want to know about the Weimar Republic, which led to the Nazi regime, nor do we want to know about the burning of the Reichstags nor do we want to know about the Russian occupation. And therefore, the Reichstag as such was a sore point. For any politician, be it Christian, Democrat, liberal, or green, to really touch that would have meant an exposure to the public, which they would have feared at the time being. The fact that you were finally able to do it and give some reborn Reichstag back to us, I think also means that probably we are trying to cope with our buildings which represent our past. And I thank you very much, Mr. Christo, for having done that. Thank you. Uh, Christo, thanks you, and I thank you, because we did it together. Thank you. No problem. Est-ce que je peux poser la question en français parce que mon anglais n'est pas très bon? We will translate it. All right. Monsieur Yavachev, nous avons vu votre... Uh, Christo's father is not here. My, my first name is Christian. 
You say Monsieur Yavachev. Monsieur Yavachev is his father, and he is dead. Uh, uh, Christo does not use Yavachev. This yes. is Christo yes. and Jean Claude. We so use Yavachev only for the flight and the life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You say Christo because obviously you are Bulgarian. Yes. Yeah. So Christo and Jean Claude. Nous avons vu votre votre image. Votre, we have seen your art. Votre explication pour la durée de vos, de vos projets. And your explanation about the duration of the works of art. Je voulais simplement demander parce que je m'en doute. I wanted to ask you because I feel that. Est-ce que vous cherchez à montrer exactement l'harmonie de la trying to show uh, the harmony de la construction et de la destruction of the construction and the destruction chacun pour elle-même et les deux ensemble avec uh, ses each projets. one for itself and both together et quand les choses y sont parfaites and when the things are perfect il n'y a pas aucune importance quelle durée ils ont dans le temps Oh, there, then there is no importance. Uh, the duration in time is not as important. Because it was perfect harmony. Um, well, I don't think it's a question. Ça n'est pas une question. Vous avez répondu vous-même à la question. He has answered his own question. But quelle est la question? No, vous voulez, vous voulez que je dise à nouveau, you want me to say again that the reason we do our works of art, la raison pour laquelle nous faisons nos œuvres d'art, c'est parce que nous voulons créer une œuvre d'art. It is because we want to create a work of art of joy and beauty, de joie et de beauté. And so it's the third time I say it. There is no other reason. Il n'y a pas d'autre raison. Shall we move on to the next question? There is a else with questions um, up there. Hello. Um, I wanted to ask you both a, a, a question about how you felt uh, when the Berlin Wall went down, because obviously when the wall was still up and you were planning this project, it was a very, very powerful symbol in many ways. Were you actually unhappy that it went down? I mean, did, it, did you find it detrimental to the nature of the project, the collapse of the wall? This, this is a very good question. You know, uh, I cannot answer that because we were not together. I was in New York, he was lecturing in Cleveland. <laughs> so I don't know how he felt. But no, that of course, uh, uh, all our projects, they have their own life and they're bigger than our imag imagination. We cannot possibly claim that we know fully what was the Reichstag in early 1977 when we started the project. The project revealed his magnitude to us, to the making of the project. It was not like something we opened books in 1972 know all, all about the Reichstag. We learned about the Reichstag through the process trying to getting the permissions. And of course, in, in a way, the Reichstag was like mausoleum until 1989. It was not possible to be used. There was very controlled the use. The, uh, and of course, if the wrapping of the Reichstag was done before 89, unavoidable, will be related to the Cold War history. It will be actually footnote in the Cold War because the Western world certainly will use the Reichstag in some provocational act, 
quality that say to the communists, you know, we know what is here, we don't know what is there. In a way, we'll be very sad because we'll be fell and very simplistic uh, interpretation. Suddenly, when the wall fell down, the Reichstag revealed his incredible potential. It was like a sleeping beauty. You know? <laughs> uh, nobody even imagined that he will in lifetime witness the use of the Reichstag, and the Reichstag became again a parliament, and the Berlin became the capital of Germany. This is why the wrapping of the Reichstag is, was happened was, uh, after the 89 was so positive for us because even the object when it was wrapped 14 days in June, July, when the people was walking over the structure with the fabric, everybody was thinking what would happen there. They was pondering what kind of world would be created in that building and five, six years from now, that what kind of policy what we'll do in that building, the German and German nation who affect our life all around the world, in a way, a way was very much transitional interpretation. It was very much with the physics of the, fa of the object. The object was moving with the wind, was going away, going in some direction, some, uh, some way. And this is why we were actually very invigorated, happy that the wall fell down. Yes, the gentleman with the... How they take, uh, we bring it down to you, sorry. Yeah. There was a gentleman there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it was a bit of a disappointment for me to see the structural bits that you added to the Reichstag before you wrapped it. Do you genuinely feel that you wrapped the Reichstag, or rather that you wrapped something that you created by those distortions? Of course. All our project, we created all this distortion, <laughs> not uh, only with the Reichstag, with uh, all... Uh, a parenthesis, darling. Uh, <laughs> you, you may touch my shoulder later, and you will see that I am wearing shoulder pads. <laughs> okay, I can accept that, but yeah. there, must yeah, come no, no. A, there must become no, no, a stage no, when no, you're actually I, I wrapping... Take, I opponent, I answer to your question. You know, the, this is the very good question, because it's, it's a long classical tradition. For hundreds of years, the artist was very inspired by architecture. From Piero della Francesca to Piranese and Claude Monet, the artists interpretate the architecture in their own way. The French Impressionist Claude Monet painted the Cathedral of Rouen in 35 different colors. And actually, the Gothic cathedral, Gothic detail completely disappeared, and he did it in his way, because he liked to see the Cathedral of Rouen in his way. This is why the Pont Neuf and the Reichstag was interpreted in our way. We like to see it in our way. <laughs> and this is why we added many metal parts and elements because we don't like to see it in the way it exists. We did that with the Pont Neuf. We did that also with the Reichstag. We do that with all the projects. We're adding variety of elements. We like to interpret the structure, the landscape in our way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, was one yeah. of the, I was one of the five million in Berlin recently. Wonderful to see it in all sorts of lights. The uh, silver that shone through and it was absolutely brilliant. I was sorry I had to cross the channel to see it. Are you thinking of doing anything in England? <laughs> uh, we love England, London. We have a lot of friends here. And it's very possible that one day we'd like to do something here. It's very natural. But you know, there are no recipe, no rules 
how project is inspired. Each project have intricate relation of friendships, <laughs> of some very accidental rencontres of, they know, then uh, we refuse to follow some kind of order. And the project of Japan and California was inspired by something, this project can, and Paris was inspired by another things, the Berlin by another things. And having so many friends in England and London, they're very possible that one day we'll like to do project in England. Talking about England, I have a very good idea for you, which I even sent to you. Uh, I have to interrupt you, sir, because it could be dangerous and sad. The best way to kill a good idea is to propose it to us. Okay, I'm, <coughs> I'm not proposing it to you. Actually, I found it myself in a newspaper. It's actually a cartoon, but it was so British, and it's still very British, even that's not in England anymore. That was this famous uh, oil platform, the Brent Spa. <laughs> and you might remember oh, yes. this cartoon. Yes. We have that cartoon. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> but that, can, that idea can be easily killed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, please. Yes, the lady. The lady. When did you realize that to fund the projects yourself was the key to it? Uh, the lady asked, when did we realize that to fund the projects uh, is a key to it? You mean, uh, when did we realize that we want to fund our own projects ourselves? That this was the best way of doing it. Well, we realized that in 1961, I think. Yes, is that the first, right? The first yes, uh, you never did any commissions at all? Never done a commission, no. Never accepted to do one. <laughs> yes. all these um, um, sculptures, okay, you know, yes. that you make. Um, as the exhibitions are only two weeks long, you must have a very quick installation yes. time with an army of people. Can you describe that to I, us? I, I will give you, for example, uh, the most recent project, the Rice Circle. Each project has different uh, logistics. Um, we do project an urban space or rural space, like the running fence, umbrella was a rural space when the Ponder, the uh, Rysek project, the Roman wall, that is urban space. And of course, there are different um, problems, different uh, decisions to make. But very much like an organization is done very much like architects or uh, builders. What we're doing, we, 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 uh, we draw the vision in New York and Manhattan. I cannot work in any place except in my studio in Manhattan. We have a number of friends, uh, structural engineers living in America. They're like a think tank, but they they have their own businesses. And when the things start to be developing, they come and we think how to put it fast together. One of them, for example, is a professor on Woods Hole and Marine Institute and Harvard University. He's not real engineer. He's in the boat with the sailing boats, but he's very knowledgeable about fabric uh, to mass to the materials. And of course, when the project is start to move ahead, we are having corporation, normal corporation who pay taxes, he settle 
in Japan and California and America or, uh, or in uh, Germany. And the corporation hire professionals. They hire structural engineers. We have a factory. We have 11 factories in Germany fabricating the materials. Many, many facets, you know. And of course, uh, uh, they are uh, like any business in our capitalist world. We try to save money. We, we sense bids. And we, they come and we try to find the most uh, responsible factory or organization and, and control. And it's not easy. They know, they know any, any possible way. But there's no other way to do it. We have a professional works to the very end. But also, the final installation is quite complex organization. And after working 30 years with Jean-Claude, probably we're the best equipped to know how to do it. Because we need to hire a great amount of non-skilled workers to be involved with the final step of the project. In addition of the professional, professional work. And sometimes, the case of the Reistag, we have an entire physical installation was done by professional workers. By the law, it was impossible to have non-skilled workers be in the Reistag case uh, construction work. Now, we like very much not use Mecha mechanical things. For example, I don't like to, we don't like to have a crane scaffolding machinery around the rice deck. This is why we try to find use human force. Not for first time we use rock climbers. We use rock climbers in project in Australia in 1969 called Rap Coast. When we wrap one million square feet coastline near Sydney, Australia, we use a lot of rock climbers. We use rock climbers also in the <coughs> project in the um, Paris and the bridge when we're installing the fabric. And fortunately, uh, they're not only rock climbers, they're also tree surgeons, the people who prune the trees or repair the cathedrals. All this profession disappears in the, our Western world because we have machinery. Fortunately, in East Germany, a former DDR, they have not all these fancy uh, cherry pickers, and many of these people was without jobs and good uh, um, uh, workers and high elevation, and they was uh, all they was literally without job. Three young people, and they put together uh, over 90 rock climbers plus 140 construction workers. To that, we need to uh, put a variety of other parts. The biggest work was also to hire additional 1,200 non-skilled workers, and this is also another long process of... Uh, darling, I would like also to answer other questions. For instance, the umbrellas were installed by 2,200 workers and it took four days. But of course, professional workers had been working for nine months before that to install the steel bases and the steel anchors in the ground. For the Reichstag, we had 90 rock climbers, 120 workers. It took them four days to unroll the fabric. But of course, before that, on the roof, the steel workers had installed all the anchors and the steel, etc. <coughs> Next question. Yes? Where's the... Uh, can you tell us something about the colors of the material you use? You know, uh, the colors is pure aesthetics, and of course you can see that, for example, the blue and yellow colors of the Umbrellas project is part of the entire idea of that project. 
That project was a project of comparison to highlight the similarity differences on the way how the life, the space is used, and the two richest countries in the world with so much similarity, so much difference. It's very much like diptych, you know, and museum can, can, can see the painting made in two parts. But for the first time, we do work of art, outdoor and rural area, who is in two parts and 1,000 kilometers away. And of course, the, the, the yellow color and the blue color was part of this comparison. The, the yellow color was in that sunny Southern California, burned by the sun, and uh, six, six months, no water. And you remember there was the sun <laughs> in the 60s. There no rain on Southern California. Uh, the grass is burned by the sun, and this golden brown grass, we have the yellow color. Yellow color was the sun. In Japan, where all the summer is pouring, rainy, rainy, by the end of September, you have this fabulous foliage of the forest from deep green of the pine tree and light green of bamboo forest. In the very wet, full of water landscape, we have blue color. Actually, there was a river in Japan, and 99 of umbrella was umbrellas were standing in the river. There was no, no river in California. The fabric in, in, in Ristec project was also growing from the side for the, the, the older specific. First, it's not only the simple color, also the texture. We like to use very thick fabric in the Ristec project to give this almost gothic folds and plea, angular. This is why we use fabric two and a half millimeter thick, that uh, like a, a medieval uh, wooden carving sculpture, when it came down to the ground, created this incredible force. And that fabric, and this is the answer a little bit for the gentleman who asked me question why I transformed the rice stack. You know, the rice stack is typical Victorian building designed by not very inspiring architect who charged the building with thousand little objects from vases, urns, sculptures, ornaments, and of course, but the building is very powerful and projection plane and surfaces. For example, the, four, the towers have a four sculptures and they're projecting so much outside of the towers, but they're like a fingers. Each sculpture standing like the finger between the sculpture to the tower. There's several, several meters empty space. And of course, on the gray day, if you look the rice stack today, it's silhouetting like cardboard box cut out like that. But the volume is so much, but absolutely broken by all these little uh, um, ornaments. Now, what we'd like to do to connect these or ornaments, to connect those elements with the main proportion of the building, meaning that, for example, there are about 40 vases sticking from the edge of the building, but the roof is there. Now, we connected this vessel with a steel form, we connected also the sculpture with a steel form that allow us the fabric, fabric to cascading like a waterfall coming from the top, moving down, making this almost 100% more material, creating all these folds and plea almost like a classical sculpture. And of course, we need to have a color who is very reflective, meaning that even in gray day, it can read, it can see the volume of the building. So we experience that. And of course we, because the, the tower is acting like a pumping iron and the building, uh, we, added, I, uh, we added 50 centimeter 
more in all directions. This is the entire building is making like that. <laughs> and of course, all that is designed to transform because the gentleman asked me, we, I'm not feeling. This is, is exactly what we like to do with aesthetics. <laughs> of course, now, when that fabric coming so much outside of the building, that give us allowed to put it close to the building, much, much bigger proportion. This is why the ropes, like a belly, restraining. restraining the fabric. All that was intricately designed to give this great shade and light uh, of that silver fabric. Now, the silver fabric is like a painting, reflecting. It was not one single color. It was like a mirror reflecting the color. This is why you have this. Uh, incredible variety of color, like platinum and orange and pink and blue and anything. And of course, in this great reflection of colors, we use this marvelous three and a half centimeter diameter royal blue rock. <laughs> yes, I'd like to ask about your drawings and um, how many of them are actually working drawings and sketches for the final thing and how many of them are just uh, sort of repeating yourself, as it were, to um, continue making drawings, which, or do they all no. relate to the they final piece? E each drawing is one of a kind. Mm. It's not a series of drawings. There are no lithographs uh, made from the drawings. It's all one unique original drawing, not two the same. But are they all technically, um, do they, does each one have a different uh, technical aspect? Relating to the final piece, uh, I, the drawings they're very, the drawings they're very uh, classical. I know I draw, what I draw, I draw on paper, with a chalker, with pencil, with graphite. Uh, after that, uh, the more elaborate, uh, I use this to, like a, a very architectural renderings using photography, a photographic background. I apply enamel paint or some kind of thick uh, wax pencil over that, and of course. You can see to the drawings how the drawings crystallize, reflect the crystallization on vision. The first drawings, they're very clumsy, very schematics, because we don't know the other side. We don't know even how to do it. We know how to shape it, the project, not only with the rice stack, with the umbrellas, with all the projects. And to the making of the project, many elements come in the aesthetical vision of the work, you know, refining, uh, uh, for example, very early drawings of the orange valley curtain in Colorado, they are white. White fabric, not at all attached in the way I was planned. And of course, this is why the drawings, they are uh, like a mirror of the evolution of the project. To do few projects for the last 37 years, we failed many projects. And of course, the drawings of this project who fell, they are very schematic. If the rice deck was never been realized, probably would have only this white collage I show you from 1977, have nothing to do with the silver fabric and the blue colors and all the information who come to the making of the project. They're really, and of course the scale model, very much like architect, the scale model also there, all uh, process of digging up in the reality. But I think the gentleman wanted also to know if the drawings are technical. No, it is our engineers who do the technical blueprints. No, no, they're not conflict. They're, they're for example, uh, I, uh, you know, the, the drawings are the only things who kept the project alive. And a very depre depressing moment when we have the refusal, that only the drawings keep 
our hope and our um, desire that the work will be happen. And of course, I can tell you, in 24 years, we, I did over 500 original works about the Reichstag to very small sketches, like a postcard to the large scale models. But that is very natural because they're part of the, of the making of the project. But the drawings serve three purposes. Um, first, it, Christo explained, it shows the evolution of the project as we know the site better, better and we know we have been working with the engineers. Uh, also, those drawings, the second purpose, of course, we sell them to pay for the project. But also, we have to show something to the engineers. If not, they can't make the blueprint and, and to ask for permission. We have to show the drawings. That's all we have to show. I'm talk, talking about the drawings a little bit. The, the final work is, is uncollectible and yeah. temporary. Yeah. Um, and yet the drawings are permanent um, memories of your work, and they're all in collections. Yeah. How do you feel about your drawings being collected? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, is, is, uh, uh, that is a very, uh, of course, is a very good question. It's a little bit like a, a Robin Hood story, you know. <laughs> uh, we, s we live in a capitalist society, a materialistic world, and of course all our projects, they're done in a very simple way. And we're using the, our system to build this project. And we use all the mechanics in our market world to build this project, to sell. And of course, the drawings, the, they are above the project. You know, they are very much like, uh, I see the drawings of the collages, the scale models, very much like the drawings of the sculptor, like a Rodin drawings or any other sculptor who draw his vision. Now, the work is not about the Reichstag, it's the Reichstag. And this is why it's a different story. And, uh, but the, the drawings, they are very classical, they are very normal, and the way we take money from the rich, giving to the poor. <laughs> yes, there. We don't hear you, uh, sir. Coming, coming. You need Sorry. You need the microphone. Moment, moment, coming. Um, it's always struck me the un umbrella scheme has stood out from the other schemes, because you've intru introduced, one, you introduced a skeleton to take the fabric, which actually was freestanding, and where the others have always been defining edge, whether it be an envelope, or, or the river, or the park. Yeah, I, I, will, I, will, I will answer. No, the, the, this is a very good question, because we show very well that our project is not only about wrappings. <laughs> uh, uh, but you see very well that only in the 1980s, that is 15 years ago, with the Gates project for Central Park, I, we start to investigate the inner space, that the space you walk inside, and you walk inside and you can see the project from inside and go outside. And of course, it's a module. We build this gate and it's repeated to a few thousand times. And that module is inviting you to go inside. The same module, you can find it in the running fence, even they are connected. It's the module who is repeated several thousand times. And of course, the, the Umbrellas project was designed to expanding that module in all direction. But again, was the, on that intervention that we're creating uh, uh, works of art, objects, who invite you to experience inside. And the um, Over the River project is in that direction. Again, this project, we're very much involved with the, over 10 years now, 
investigating and make that experience of that inner space. The, I hope you understand the uh, over the river project can be experienced in the river, in the boat, going down to the river, and of course seeing from above. Yes, yes, Bob. Louder. Moment, moment, moment. You, your projects are extremely multifaceted, and you talked uh, at great length about the permits. It would be difficult to imagine anyone who's tried harder to get permits, and probably few have received as many as you have. We all face bureaucracy you know, in everyday life. Wh what have you learned about the process of getting all these permits from all these bureaucrats that we can learn from? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say it cannot be one lesson because it's each time when we request permits, we request it from different people, a permit to do something else we have never done, and uh, there is truly no link. I, I will give you an example. When we were trying to get permission for the running fence, oh, Christo and I became world-leading experts on artificial insemination of the cow by the bull's um, sperm, how to make butter, how to make cheese, how to pasteurize the milk, because we had to request permission from 59 California ranchers. <laughs> and so we were really world-leading experts on all these <laughs> things, so we could talk to them. At the same time, we were also working in Bonn and Berlin, and that knowledge precious knowledge of California was not very useful in Bonn. <laughs> no, but there one answer. You hope you understand all this uh, we do because we enjoy to do. And of course, it will be terribly boring if we do the same things again and again. And this is why each project is like expedition in our life. Each project is like slice of our life. But like I b say before, we do not do projects about things. We borrow the real things. Now, when we wrap the rice stack, there was not project about the rice stack. It was the rice stack wrap. And unavoidable, anything who that sides is in the mind of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people is part of the work of art. Is the, is the all, certainly the rice stack project have political demand. A religious, really? no. because it seems to me you're on a pilgrimage somehow. You know, you leave shrines, or you have shrines like the Reichstag. You have no, no, we are, we are not. You religious. are not. We are not religious. No, but we are people who have great faith, but not in some no, no, God. No, not in faith. Any, we have. Yeah, but <laughs> in the ulterior, I didn't mean in the ulterior, in an, any ulterior power. We are not power. religious at all. But it's a pilgrimage through the world you are making, isn't it? And you. It's not, it's not a pilgrimage, not. you got it all wrong. It's okay. works of art, works of art. Joy and beauty, works of art, aesthetic. That's all we are. Could, could we make this the, the last question, please? Yes, I just wanted to know if you enjoyed the project once it was up and running as much as you did the actual creation. In fact, did you... Oh, no, it's a very good question. Uh, but, okay. The, the creative 
the creativity, really, at, for every project, not just the Reichstag, the creativity stops the moment it is there. It's done. After that, it becomes maintenance, gardening, making sure the monitors have their raincoats if it starts, making sure the public receives the free fabric sample, making sure to send immediately a climber because that blue rope became too loose. So it, it's gardening and maintenance. We have to keep it proper and looking beautiful 14 days. But the creativity and the day it was completed. Oh, you want to know if of we have course. enjoyed no, 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 the project? I should, I should. As uh, much as, well, I didn't talk <laughs> to the other five million people. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know no, that I, we, I, I, we loved it. Yes. No, all our projects, very fast, I know we're late. All our projects have two distinct periods. The software period and the hardware period. <laughs> the software period is when the project is in our mind and the drawings and the mind of many people who try to stop us and many people to try to help us. And that is the really the very difficult time because nobody knows how the project will look because we never do the same things again. We will never do again umbrella or running fence or surround islands or upper ice stack. Each proje project is a unique proposition. This is why during this software period, all the projects de develop participatory public who are really expecting to see how the things will look. And that is the energy, it cannot have it a normal paintings or sculptures, you know, that type of anticipation. Because that software period can only build that energy because we will realize the real things. We're not so-called conceptual artists who like to visit some politician, take some video and exhibit in some gallery because like to be seen with some politician. The politician will never see us if they are in doubt of our credibility that we spend several million dollars to wrap, really wrap the rice stack or really build the umbrellas. Basically, the software period and hardware period, they're linked together. The hardware period, when you can experience the reality of physical elements, the sun, the wind, the water, the space, the richness of the material, you cannot even imagine in advance. Now, all these two things, they're so exhilarating, it's so incredible, and of course, all that is the work of art. That creative process is everything. This is why, with Jean-Claude, we like to do that, because they're all this marvelous, extraordinary expedition that nobody knows how it will happen, nobody even can measure how it will happen. We have all specialists thinking that it will happen that way, but nobody. And of course, this is why when the project is over, you leave that things, and it's part of our life. We can never be again. This is why we enjoy it. Of course, we enjoy it. We love it. And when the physical object is happened, Jean-Claude and myself, we refuse to see friends. We like to spend, I remember in the Umbrellas project, you know, myself, Jean-Claude, we walk, I give you a little footnote, we walk 270 kilometers to pinpoint the place for 1,760 umbrellas in Southern California. Two years we, before. Two years before. <laughs> we worked 170 kilometers to pinpoint the place of 1,340 blue umbrellas in Japan. When the project was realized, I refused to see any place, any people during the day. With Jean-Claude, we like to go to each umbrella. I walk, I climb up mountains, and I like to be with that umbrella to see it in one day. This is why they like our reality, and we love to spend that time. This is why 
this, we enjoyed so much this project. Thank I, you very much. I think, I think that's a great note to end on. <laughs>